Christian greetings to all of you this morning. It's a privilege to see uh, the house so well filled this morning. It's good to see a number of visitors here among us. Uh, Brother Ben, it's good to have you here with us. Uh, some of you may not know this, but uh, for years, Brother Ben stood behind this pulpit and would take the announcements and, and uh, before the message would make any comments concerning the message or so forth. And so that's what I grew up seeing as a youngster. Uh, Brother Ben would stand here and uh, did that very well. And now Brother David has taken that spot and, and does a very effective job in the same. So the work of the Lord moves on in one way or the other. And now here I stand behind this pulpit too. Uh, so uh, Rollin, the song that you led there Oh God, Thou Faithful God, uh, spoke to me in a special way because uh, that was the song that after I was ordained, my family uh, had a plaque uh, engraved, a nice big wooden plaque engraved with the words of that song for me. And uh, that plaque now hangs in my bathroom, which you may think is an odd place for a nice plaque to hang. However, uh, it ensures that I see it every morning and every evening. And so I do see it in, in the words of that song uh, speak to me on a regular occasion. But that, that song has sort of become a, you could say, maybe a, a theme song for my ministry. Uh, that God would give me strength, that I would say what I'm supposed to say, and do it as I ought, and not shrink back from that. But then realizing that the success from that is due to the Lord, not myself. So yes, this morning I do greet you in the name of our giving God, the one who calls all of us to cheerful giving. Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. Now truly, all of us here this morning have received in some way or other. Some of us have received uh, the gift of salvation. Most of us have, I trust. We have received many physical blessings. Uh, we have received many financial blessings. Uh, we have been recipients of much. And Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. In other words, we have a responsibility as receivers, to now be givers. And so this morning I would like to go into part two of the message on cheerful giving. I preached on this maybe back in March. Time just moves so, so fast. I've preached here since, but it just wasn't the right opportunity to, to preach uh, the second part of this message. So I'd like to do that this morning. You can turn to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, we'll be looking at some verses from uh, both of those chapters. And the key verse for the message again this morning is 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. 
God loveth a cheerful giver. And so some questions that we can keep in mind this morning is, as we go through this message is, what kind of giver am I? First of all, what kind of giver am I? And secondly, how can I be a more cheerful giver? And it's my desire this morning to challenge each of us to a life of generous and cheerful giving. And yes, certainly this has a lot to do with our money, but it has so much more than that as well. It has a lot to do with also our time. It has a lot to do with our, our talents, our effort that we put into life. A life of generous and cheerful giving. And certainly all these things are closely connected. Our money, our time, our efforts, our, our, our talents in life. They're closely connected because they're all outward expressions of, of an inner desire. Or an inner, uh, what's on the inside. They're outer expressions, you could say, of what's on the inside. And so how we give is an indicator of what's most important to us. Notice I didn't just say giving is an indicator, but how we give is an indicator of what's most important to us. So the challenge in this message is to give cheerfully, is to give generously. And so before we get into any brand new material, which the Word of God is never brand new material, but at least uh, for me in this message, I'd like to do perhaps an extended review of what we looked at last time. But I had three points in the message, and we didn't get around to all of them, but first, examples of giving. Uh, secondly, encouragement for giving. And thirdly, effects of giving. And so we had looked at uh, a couple examples. Uh, we had looked at some encouragement, and then we ran out of time. And so we'll pick up in the middle of the encouragement section. But, but let's review a bit. We noted two examples of giving, of generous and sacrificial giving, in the first part of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And the first one was the Macedonian believers. Note verses 1 and 2 of 2 Corinthians 8. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. In other words, uh, brothers, I want you to know, or listen up, I want you to be aware of the Macedonian believers. Okay? Verse 2. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Okay, now keep in mind that this was a group of people uh, that was very poor. This was not a rich group of people. Uh, they were very poor, and they were going through a very difficult time of life, uh, a time of great trial of affliction, as we read here. But yet, it says that they had a joy about their life. There was something that was very deep and real with them. Something that carried them through the time of trial, the time of affliction. And they could look at those times with joy in their life, even though it was difficult. But I note here that the Macedonian believers, uh, they were made aware of a need. They were made aware of a need. 
And then they urgently pled or they begged to be able to give. They wanted to have the privilege of giving to this need. Now normally, people beg in order to have. <laughs> These people begged to give. You see? They begged to give. Could we please give to this need? And in the one verse here, verse 4, I believe, it implies that there were those who felt like maybe they shouldn't have to give. Because, you know, here are some people that are not doing well financially that maybe we should exempt them from having to give. But they said, please, let us give. We want to give. In other words, don't rob us of the joy that we believe would come from giving and sharing with what we have. And so then we read that they gave beyond their ability or they gave beyond their power as the King James says here, or they gave much more than was expected considering their situation. Well, how were they able to do this? Why did the Macedonian believers do this? And I say, well, they were able to do this because first of all, they were surrendered to the will of God. And we read that in verse 5. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. And so they had a proper perspective of the physical things that they had. In other words, they realized that what they had was not really theirs, but it was God's. What they had was God's. And He had entrusted it to them, and so they gave with that in mind. They had first surrendered their will to God. They had a proper perspective of the things they owned, of whose it is. And let me just note here, as we go through this review, that generous giving is not reserved for the rich people. <laughs> generous giving is not reserved for only the people who have much. No, it's certainly not. And this illustration here of the Macedonian believers uh, attests to that, as well as another illustration I thought of, and that's in Luke 21. We won't turn to that, but it was the story there that Jesus told, or, he, or it might have been happening right then that he pointed this, this happening out, of the rich men that were going through and they were putting their money in the offering and they were really laying it on. I mean, they were putting good money in the offering. And then there was this poor widow that went by, and she put in her two little mites. And they were observing this. And Jesus said, in essence, who is being more generous here? Who do you think is being more generous? Is it the, is it the rich men that are putting in a lot of money? Or the poor widow that's putting in just two mites? Who's being more generous? Jesus said that she gave more than all the rest of them. She gave more than all the rest of them. See, Jesus said, these rich men, uh, they just simply have given out of their abundance. <laughs> they have a lot, and they just scooped in and gave out some of the abundance. She gave all of her living. She gave it all. Now I ask you, who was being more generous, you see? <laughs> certainly, certainly, it was the widow lady. The poor widow lady that gave her two mites. Jesus said, that's an example 
of true generosity when you give, freely give, you could say, till it hurts, perhaps. Okay, so that's the first example we looked at there in chapter 8. Secondly was the example of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in verse 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And that verse is a classic. I mean, don't ever forget that verse. Because your salvation is closely connected to that verse. I'll read it one more time. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And so this verse tells us several things. It tells us a lot, but, but several things I'll point out. It tells us what he was. And he was very rich. <laughs> and in this, it seems almost so cheesy to just say it in, in simple terms like this, but he was so very rich. It tells us then what he became. He became very poor. And it tells us why he did that. He did that in order to make, in order to make spiritually poor people rich. <laughs> yes, that's you and me. He was rich. He became poor in order to make spiritually poor people very rich. You know, leaving behind uh, the unfathomable riches and the glory of his heavenly kingdom, Jesus came to this, to this poor, wicked earth. And he willingly gave his life so that we could experience uh, the unmeasurable riches of everlasting life. It, it defies logic. It defies human logic. It's one of those things uh, that, that as humans, we just can't wrap our minds around it. But yet, Jesus did that. We believe it by faith, and it means everything to us today. His life was a life of giving, and you can go through the Gospels and see that for yourself, especially the Gospel of Matthew, time after time. Jesus was busy, he was busy, he was busy doing the Father's work, and it was at the end of a long day, and he wanted to get away, maybe for a little relaxing, a time of maybe a school picnic or something, and some needs came up, and the people flocked him, and he just kept right on meeting people's needs. A life of giving, a life of compassion. Different times he tried to get away, to recuperate as it were, and because of the needs of the people, he peeled out early and went and met their needs. Giving to others, giving to others. A theme, a strong theme in the life of Jesus. Quite simply then, uh, when we give generously, when we give cheerfully, first of all, it pleases the Lord. And secondly, it reflects his gift of salvation to us. It reflects that. When we give out of a heart uh, that says, I want to do this, please let me do this. Don't rob me of that joy. The scripture talks about how that Jesus uh, looked forward to that work of redemption with joy and with desire. That was the heart of giving. And so when we give, 
generously and sacrificially, it reflects that gift of salvation. Well, and then in our message back some time ago, we considered some encouragement for giving uh, that we find, find in various places of Scripture. We noted that uh, we must grow in the grace of giving. It's a challenge for us to grow in the grace of living. Uh, we were challenged to live uh, with an open hand mentality. Uh, we have two hands, as one illustration said. One is for getting, the other is for giving, and we are not meant to be people that hoard things, but we are to be channels that, that flow. Giving, getting to giving, there's a, there's a flow there. We're not cisterns for hoarding, I think was the illustration, but we're channels for giving. And so we are to, to live with a, an open hand mentality. And then we were challenged to give without hope for return. Just give. Don't think about, you know, I hope he gives this back or, or I better write this down because if I lose this, I'm in big trouble. You know, No, just give. If someone asks, give without hope of return. And so then we skipped over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we'll do that again for a moment here. And we noted two kinds of giving. 2 Corinthians 9, let's read verses 5 through 7. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. God loveth a cheerful giver. And so there's, there's two kinds of giving uh, noted in these verses. First of all, there's bad giving. Uh, you notice here in these verses... We are, are taught how not to give. Do not give covetously. Uh, do not give sparingly. And do not give grudgingly or reluctantly. Don't give like that. And you must keep in mind that in each of those, yes, there is giving. <laughs> giving is happening. But it's coming from a heart that really wants to hold back. It's really a heart attitude that says, how much can I keep, not how much can I give? Well, that's the bad giving. There's also instruction here on good giving, how to give. And we are to give bountifully. Uh, we are to give cheerfully. Now, the word bountifully and the phrase, as a matter of bounty, are both from uh, the same Greek word, and they literally mean to give on the basis of blessing. To give on the basis of blessing. Uh, in other words, our giving should spring out of the truth that our God is a bountifully blessing God. <laughs> we give because He is a bountifully blessing God. And so, in turn then, our giving should be a bountiful blessing to those around us, to, the, to others, to those who receive. So when we give bountifully, it means that we are giving with a heart that desires to share things. You see, something has happened in the heart 
There's a change that has taken place in the heart that the attitude is no longer, how much can I keep? But the attitude is, how much can I give? You, you see, it's a different, complete different mentality. And so, I ask you, what kind of giver are you? What kind of giver are you? Well, that's a little review. Let's move on then. Why does God love a cheerful giver? The scripture here says that we are to give not grudgingly, uh, not of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. We are to give cheerfully, generously. Why does God love a cheerful giver? Have you ever considered that God made the world uh, on a plan of giving? God made the world on a plan of cheerful giving, you could say. I think just a moment about the, I mean, we could, there would be lots of illustrations here, but we won't go that deep. But uh, think about the sun, the moon, and the stars, how they are always giving, giving light, uh, which is, of course, essential for life. Uh, think of the soil. This is springtime when you're planting your garden. If it dries out, you might do more. But think of the soil, how that it is the seedbed for growth. It is the seedbed uh, for later fruitfulness. And, and that soil is giving nutrients that aid that plant in its growth, in its bearing fruit. Uh, think of the rain. It wouldn't be hard to think about that right now, but think of the rain, how it is giving moisture to aid in this process. And as I heard Brother Bevan say recently, if you think we've had too much rain, would well just consider the two pictures, green or brown, and pick one, okay? I'd rather have the green. So we're thankful for the rain. We see that it is something that gives and gives and gives to replenish the earth. Uh, think of the crops, how they are they're giving food which is once again essential to life. Uh, think of flowers, how they give beauty, how they give inspiration to life. Uh, they are always giving. These things in nature are always giving, giving, giving. Uh, they're giving to one another. Uh, they're giving to us. And ultimately, they're giving to God. And I'm reminded of what Jesus said once when the Pharisees got all upset about, about the people giving Jesus so much praise. Jesus said, look, if they would stop giving me praise, the rocks would have to cry out. In other words, nature praises me. God is worthy of praise. And we see that in nature. Truly, nature gives God much praise and glory. Someone has said that generosity reigns supreme in nature. Generosity reigns supreme in nature. You know, in nature, there has to be giving in order for there to be living. And in fact, everything that God has made truly lives by giving. Everything that God has made truly lives by giving. God has made us too. Keep that in mind. And so God loves a cheerful giver. Why? Because when we commit ourselves to generous and to cheerful giving, we are then fulfilling His plan for our life. We're fulfilling the plan of the great, great Creator. We are, are, are submitting to that plan of giving, of giving that he, uh, he began when He created the world. 
Well, God loves those things uh, that make his people truly happy. God loves those things that make his people truly happy. And he understands very well that the spirit of self-denial and the spirit of love for others is, you could say, one of the surest sources of happiness found in the human heart. When we're giving, there's joy there. There's blessing there. And I trust that you've experienced that many, many times. I know that for myself. Even though it's, it's, it's busy and it's taxing and it's, it's difficult at times, when I am giving, I am the happiest. I feel the most fulfilled. There's a joy there uh, that we don't have when we're just simply living for self. You know, the, the person that lives for himself is, is a miserable person. Uh, the person who rejoices only in what he enjoys has a very, a very narrow or limited happiness, you could say. But the one who lives to make others blessed, uh, the one who loves to glorify God, uh, the one who can deny his own flesh and his own wishes in order to bless others, in order to glorify God, is a truly happy person. There is where there's real joy. And so this is the kind of giver I say that God loves. Because that kind of giver is showing the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit is active. See, that doesn't come natural to do that. Now, like I said, you can be a person that gives. But we're talking this morning about being a cheerful giver. Being a generous giver. And that's different. Because giving can just be an outward thing. But to give cheerfully and to give generously is not just an outward thing. That is a heart thing. And so God loves a cheerful giver because it displays the work of his Holy Spirit. Well, why does God love a cheerful giver? God loves a cheerful giver because he himself is a cheerful giver. God himself is a cheerful giver. I note several verses here that speak about how God gives. Romans 8.32 He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? James 1.5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. 1 Timothy 6.17 Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. You, you want to be rich in life? The Apostle Paul suggests here that we should not trust in the things of this world. He, he refers to them as being uncertain riches. But if you want to truly be a rich person he says, you should trust in the living God. He's the one who gives richly all things to enjoy. A person like that is a truly rich person. And so the, the adverbs here are freely and liberally and richly. That's how God gives. That's how he gives. And so a cheerful giver is one then 
who is pursuing the heart of God. And what could be more pleasing to God than to have His children pursuing His ways, conforming themselves more to Him, to who He is. Yes, God loves a cheerful giver because He Himself is a cheerful giver. Notice here what the Apostle Paul has to say about our giving God. Uh, in, in chapter 9 here of 2 Corinthians, what kind of giver is our God? Well, let's see what the Apostle Paul says. Uh, we're going to look at verses 8 and 11. Now, 9 and 10, in my Bible at least, there's, there's parentheses uh, around those, those uh, verses. And so it's kind of like, it's kind of like Paul had a thought within a thought, which is not uncommon for the Apostle Paul at all. Uh, he often had a lot of thoughts within his thoughts. And if, perhaps if I was a school teacher, when my students uh, were looking for something to do, I would have them diagram some of the Apostle Paul's sentences. And that would keep them busy for probably half the day. But anyway, let's look here at verses 8 and 11. This is what the Apostle Paul says. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every or all good work. Verse 11, being enriched in everything or all things to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. Did you catch all those alls? The alls and the everys. Let's just count them again. Every man according, uh, verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every or all good work. Verse 11, Being enriched in every or all thing to all bountifulness. That's seven. And you know, when I, when I counted that, I said, How interesting. <laughs> seven. That's the number of completion. <laughs> That's the perfect number. And, and it's here... It, the Apostle Paul is, is showing the kind of giver that God is. That's the kind of things I love about the Word of God. It's so exciting. Now you say, well, that's just coincidence. Well, uh, think again. God is the perfect giver. Uh, you can't outgive God. There's a completeness there. There's a wholeness there that comes in God and how He gives to each of us. But our God is a giving God. And He just gives. And He gives. And he gives some more. And perhaps this was going to the mind of the poet Annie Johnson Flint uh, when she penned these words. And she said, He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. And then she goes on to say, when we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half gone, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving has only begun. And then uh, the chorus of that song as we know it says, His love has no limit, His grace has no measure, his power has no boundary known unto men, for out of his infinite riches in Jesus 
He giveth and giveth and giveth again. <laughs> that's, that's our giving God. That's our giving God. What, what more can we say? But certainly, God loves a cheerful giver because he himself is a cheerful giver. Well, we've looked at some examples of giving. We've looked at some encouragement for giving. Now let's take some uh, note here of effects of giving that I see in the last few verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, let's read starting verse 10. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness being enriched in everything to all bountifulness which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the one of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ, and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift, his indescribable gift. Well, let's note some effects of cheerful giving here. And, and I'll be using the NIV wording to help us through some of this. Uh, some of the, the King James wording here is, is pretty heavy and hard to wrap your mind around how it's being uh, worded there. But the first effect of cheerful giving that I see is in verses 10 and 12, and that is simply that needs are met. That needs are met. Uh, my needs and the needs of others. Uh, verse 10 there says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So there's blessing there to us. When we give to others, God makes sure that our needs are met as well. And then verse 12, he says that this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it's also uh, pointing to him. So uh, then when, when there is cheerful giving, there are needs being met. Uh, yes, we think, well, well, we're giving. Yes, but when we give, God blesses us as well and makes sure that we are taken care of. And then, of course, when we give, needs are being met to those we give to. And so, yes, as God gives, I'm sorry, as we give, we must keep in focus that, that there is blessing involved in giving. Help us keep in perspective, a proper perspective for giving and for the joys of giving. There is much blessing for myself and for others when I cheerfully give. I note then as well that when we give, there's an, ever, an even greater ability to be generous. An even greater ability to be gener uh, excuse me, generous. Maybe I should take a drink of water. <clears throat> Verse 11. The NIV reads, You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Isn't that neat? You will be made rich in every way, so that you can stuff it in your checking account, or I don't know, 
so that you can be generous on every occasion. And so what is, what is our purpose for making money? We can ask ourselves the question, what is our purpose for making money? Is it just to get? Is it to keep? Or is it to give? It's something that we must think about. Uh, there in Ephesians 4, 28, we read, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Now, that's talking about the robber, right? Well, yes, it is. But I think the principle there applies to us as well. We, we, we have in order to give to those that need. The principle is clear. We get so that we can give. And so when we cheerfully give, God richly blesses us, I believe, so that we can give more. There is blessing involved there. And remember, once again, uh, that's where the real joy is. That's where the real happiness is in being able to give to those around us. Now, as I thought about that, I had just recently got this, this newsletter here from Christian Aid Ministries, and it, it gave a, a current illustration of this very thing. Here we have the Romanian widow that uses uh, donated seeds, and maybe you're a part of one of those seed projects, I don't know, but to provide for herself and others. This is what she says. God puts into the heart of others to give to us so we can plant, have food, and then give to others who are poor. <laughs> like she's not. I mean, she's probably rather poor herself. But she says, God does this. He puts into the heart of others to give to us so we can plant, have food, and then give to others who are poor. Even though her needs are great, she loves to give. Since her husband passed away a few years ago, it is more difficult to provide for herself, but she says God has sent Cam to help so that she can help herself and others. And I said, wow, that, what, a, what a current day illustration there of this very truth. That, that there is, there is a, a beautiful chain of giving, as you see. When we, become, when we are cheerful givers, when we give cheerfully, then we become a link in God's beautiful plan of giving where everyone is richly blessed. I am given to. Then I give. And they give. And they give. And, and the giving just goes from one to the other. There's a, a beautiful chain of giving that brings joy to our heart, where needs are met, and there's ability to continue to give. Uh, Proverbs 3, verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of all thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Luke 6, 38, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. That's, that's real giving. That's real giving. For with the same measure that ye meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. You see that? For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. And so perhaps the question comes to your mind sometimes, well, how much should I give? Um, well, I'm not going to give you a figure, but, but we can think about different things. We could think, well, what if God gave to me like I give to others and to him. Would I consider that enough? <laughs> Would I consider that plenty? 
Think about that a little bit. Um, in relation to our financial giving, someone has said, give according to your income, lest God make your income according to your giving. <laughs> Perhaps that's a little humorous, but it's also sobering as we consider our giving and our responsibility to give. Well, then thirdly here, I, another effect I see is that God gets more praise. <laughs> When there is cheerful giving, God gets more praise. And that's always good, right, when God gets more praise? Well, notice here in verses 11, 12, and 13. Uh, verse 11, there at the bottom of verse 11, this will result, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Uh, verse 12, the last part again, it, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Uh, verse 13, because of the service by which you have proved yourself, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies. Okay, so all in all, there is a, a praising God. God is getting praise. God is getting glory because of our cheerful giving. Well, fourthly then, another effect I note here is that cheerful giving is proof that we are sincere. Cheerful giving is proof that we are sincere. Verse 13, the NIV reads this way. Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. You see? They'll say, oh, okay, so not only, not only is he saying that he loves the Lord, not only is he saying that he's a Christian, but now he proved it. He proved it because he is cheerfully and generously giving to meet the needs around him. Generous and cheerful giving, I say, is, is a sign of a regenerate soul. It's a sign of, of a heart that has been changed. Someone has said that there is no such thing as a Christian Scrooge. <laughs> Humbug, I tell you. <laughs> there is no such thing as a Christian Scrooge. But, but instead, when the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, opens our hearts, it, it opens our hands as well. There's a connection there between the heart and the hands. There's an opening of our hands to the needs around us. There's, there's many places we could go, and we're running out of time. I didn't think about having part three, but um, I don't think we need to, but we're running out of time here. Uh, let me just mention a few things yet on this, and we'll, we'll move along. But Menno Simons, who was, of course, you could say maybe the, the founder or the beginner of the Anabaptist faith, as it were, he said this, True evangelical faith cannot lie dormant, but it clothes the naked, it feeds the hungry, it comforts the sorrowful, it shelters the destitute, it aids and consoles the sad, it binds up what is wounded, it becomes all things to all people. And Jesus said, As ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. There is a doing that must accompany the, the faith. The heart experiences says, yes, I love the Lord, yes, I want to do his work, yes. There is a doing that must accompany, accompany that in order for it to be genuine and sincere. Let's just quickly turn to James chapter 2, a couple of verses that bring that 
very real to us. James chapter 2, starting at verse 14, we read, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? In other words, what good is it if you say you have faith but you don't have works? Do you think you can be saved just by your faith? Is that enough, James is saying? Verse 15, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? In other words, what good have you done? Verse 17, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Without the works, the faith is dead. There is, there is a coming together, there is, there is uh, it's a package, you could say. The faith and works that go together. And together, they give proof that we are sincere when we have a heart of cheerful and generous giving to needs around us. So yes, I say once again that cheerful giving is one of the great proofs of truly being a Christian. And then lastly, I note here in our text once again, one of the effects of cheerful giving is in verse 14. We read, And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace of God has given you. Speaking there of the saints, of the people of God. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. I say one of the effects of cheerful giving is that there is a, there's a love and appreciation for one another. There's a love and appreciation for one another. When we give cheerfully to the needs within our brotherhood, to the needs within our congregation, it strengthens relationships among us. It fosters love and appreciation for one another. When someone helps me, it, I say, well, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And, and, and how can I help you? And, and there is that and, and so forth. You know what I'm saying? It fosters that, that love and appreciation. There's a, a bond there that develops as brothers and sisters in a congregation when there is generous and cheerful giving to the needs within us, within our group. And then also when we give cheerfully uh, to the needs in our communities, uh, to the needs abroad, I say it opens the door for meaningful relationships to be started. It opens the door and you can, th why, do we, why do we do outreach? Why do we help a family that had a house fire? Why do we give a sunshine box to a family that has need? Why do we do that? Is it just simply because we can check it off on our list and say, okay, we got that done? I hope not. But I, I trust that we can do those things and use them as opportunities then to reach them for Christ, as opportunities to share the gospel. But I say that when we cheerfully give in the community, it, it opens the doors for those meaningful relationships to be started. And it proclaims the love of Christ uh, in a very real shoe leather kind of way. 
meeting the physical needs of those around us. Well, in conclusion here this morning, I just leave you uh, with a challenge from our bountifully giving God. It's a challenge from Malachi 3, verse 10, and this is what we read. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, or test me, saith the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. <laughs> wow. God says, test me. Test me. Prove me. I want you to give. I want you to up your giving, he's saying, and you see. You just see if I will not bless you. And I'm not here preaching a, a prosperity gospel. That's not the intent of this message. There's many, many more blessings other than financial blessings. And actually, the financial blessings aren't the greatest blessings in life. I hope you realize that. But I'm simply saying that God promises to bless us abundantly when we work out of a heart of cheerful and generous giving. There's much blessing there. And so once again, I just leave you with what Jesus said. Uh, freely you have received, freely give. Uh, may God help us to be generous and cheerful givers. We'll call for a song this time.